Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that the economy added 236,000 jobs in March. Mm-hmm. All right. If you were curious to know, when you compare this to pre-pandemic levels, it still doubled the rate from 2016 to 2019. Oh, no. So, like, if people are thinking, like, okay, so we had a good month and we're seeing, we, we saw 500,000, I think it was in January, uh, 300,000 in February, now 200. So, okay, so uh, we're coming down. No, but this is still double the rate of pre-pandemic levels. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It has been a week since we have physically been in the studio in Saeed. Miss you long time. Miss you so much. How was Chicago? God damn it, I missed you. Chicago fun? Arun, you're sexy too. Chicago was amazing. Yeah? Had a great time. It was cold as shit. Layered but, uh, up? Oh my God! So I, you were you were in tights under those ripped jeans. I did, and let me tell you, nothing's worse. Nothing's a worse feeling than being like cold and wearing tight clothes and yeah. multiple layers, and yeah. then eating like a fat bastard. <laughs> it's the clothes just getting tighter. It's just it's a complete oxymoron, right? Like you in restaurants, like leaned over like a like a fat Italian like this, uh, with your finger and your belly button going like, oh, it was uh, third yeah. knuckle. <laughs> yeah, I want everybody to visualize that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm well over two fifty at the moment. Yeah, but let's get more into the show. Let's do it. Let's talk about what you really are here to hear about. Oh, you know you want to hear it. This week, this week has been uh, mostly prepared and curated by the one and only chief economist, the higher standard side, Omar. That's not true. You did all the work here. I'm just, I'm just here to look pretty. Okay. I did, however, find the article which talks about Nouriel Roubini, uh, Wall Street's quote, Doctor Doom. In a way, I don't think you and I have ever heard. Listen, listen. first of all, his name is Mister Nouriel Roubini. My you? apologies. Okay? Yeah. Put some respect on his name. I didn't realize he was an actual pimp. He, I mean, as gangster as they come. Who? I mean, I know he's an economist, and I know he's not attractive. He knows he's not attractive. He admits to it. But he openly is pimping. You know, yeah. He's not. He's not afraid to talk about it. It's like it's like if the bad guy was accepted in public, right? And he was also was cool as a superhero, <laughs> but he could do bad guy shit, right? Exactly. It, that, that's no real Rabini. That's what he does. We'll swerve on over after that and talk about job growth uh, totals in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that, not exactly ideal. Yeah, and how that Im- impacts the Fed's decision. It oof, The Fed's decision. There's also some big numbers coming out this week we should probably talk about. We CPI, will. PPI, OPP, all that stuff comes <laughs> out. All of it. And then we'll uh, round out the show with a little bit of chat GPT conversation. AI is making some pretty big moves that's going to affect all of us in one way, shape, or form in the not-too-distant future. For those of you who are saying, oh, man, that's not going to happen for like five years, I'd say, no, it's going to happen like this year. Yeah. It's happening right now. Yeah, this stuff always gets expedited 
fairly quickly and too fast for Congress to react. Well, yeah, there's no way. I mean, when you get, the only person that you have is a really voice of reason right now. And I know this is going to sound shocking. Voice of reason. is Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. Elon Musk is like, hold on, people. We should probably slow this shit down, take a pause mm-hmm. before they rise up against us and kill us like in Terminator. Dude, I swear to God. I remember. Oh, we'll get into it later. Go ahead. Let's start the show. You're eager, huh? You missed yeah, me. Yeah, I do. Oh, I missed you. Too. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. All right. It's early. Well, it's early for us, too. I got back from Chicago and uh, I had uh, a day to recover from obviously my son's birthday. Mm-hmm. Then Chicago, and then Easter the next day when we got back, and we got back on Saturday, right? right. So I'm scrolling through articles, and I see an article from Business Insider. It says, Norio Rabini, Dr. Doom has warned of catastrophe for nearly 20 years. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> that, that sounds um, grim. Right. Is it a shot across the bow? Is it like, hey, broken clock is right twice a day, kind of an argument, which is often used against Peter Schiff, who is kind of uh, kind of wrong a lot. Yeah, he is. So I decided this would be a good article for me to read. Little did I know, this article wasn't about economics. I mean, there was some. I mean, it starts off that way. It does. And it goes right into Pippinomics afterwards. <laughs> Pippinomics. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> breaks down the whole game. Yeah. It, it just so let's let's get let's get the foreplay out of the way first, yeah, okay? <laughs> so from the article, Rubini rose to prominence with a particularly huge call in the early 2000s when he predicted a, quote, nightmare hard landing scenario, end quote. Mm-hmm. He also does that on a nightly basis in an illegal hot tub. Yeah. More on that to come. Yeah. <laughs> and began ringing the alarm for the collapse of the U.S. housing market in 2006 when he spoke of impending housing crash on the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, that year. The audience chuckled. They laughed at him. The New York Times reported, laughing at Dr. Doom, not a good way. That's a bad look. That's a bad look. Well, guess what? When the great financial crisis struck, Rubini was lauded among a handful of market luminaries. I would love for someone to describe us as luminaries. Well, we, should we should you be know, called. You know, Saeed, you're a fucking yeah. luminary, Honestly, man. you're the luminary uh, of all luminaries. You're luminous as shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who called the crash. When other experts had brushed off any concern that the economy was at a weak footing. Now, I will say that shit already in and of itself sounds a whole hell of a lot like what we got going. Hard landing, soft mm-hmm. landing. Yeah. People warning. Everybody's saying, no, nah, no, nah, we're fine. I yeah. know. But it's funny. He's saying this back in 2006. And then we know, you know, the Great Recession hit. But he's like, nah, it's going to get worse than this. Yeah. And, <laughs> he's, and he, he's like, it's way worse. And he was not wrong. Mm-mm. He sounded like a madman in 2006 IMF economist Prakash Longani. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not even sure I'm saying that right, but it sounds like it could be like that. Yeah. He told the Times, after inviting Rubini to the IMF conference that year, he was a prophet when he returned in 2007. Mm. Man walked in like baby Jesus. <laughs> I told you I would rise, people. <laughs> I am here to anoint you. Right. In my anointedness. You know that's how he thinks, too. Oh, I didn't know that until I read the rest of this article. Right. You, I'm going to let you tell that part. But before we get there, his most recent prediction has been for the U.S. to enter a, quote, stagflationary debt crisis. For those mm. of you don't remember, that's basically when GDP continues to grow, even though you have the other three factors of recessionary economy in place. And we'll get, yes. we'll get through that in a little bit. That will ravage this economy. It'll be like Frankenstein's monster combining the worst aspects of the 1970 stagflation and the 2008 debt crisis. Right. So this man called the 2008 debt crisis. He's basically saying it's going to be like that, mm-hmm. but with stagflation too. 
Right. And then my uh, my last part of the show notes that you probably can't see on the show because we're not going to pu- pu- push this episode into video yet, but I wish you could. Yeah, okay. Because it says pimping story. <laughs> it's the pimping of all pimping stories. So I but before, bless, before, bless before, them. But before we get into this, some, some more stuff that he said, not only in this article, but other articles that I found online that I think is noteworthy is, uh, so he thinks credit growth will drop from an annual rate of 10% to potentially close to zero. Once U.S. gross domestic product moves from expansion to contraction, Rubini said an economy swimming in debt will no longer be in a position to service its financial obligations. Right? So Rubini- Well, and let, let, let's expand on that a little bit too. In August is when the U.S. is technically supposed to run out of money for the debt ceiling. Yes, exactly. So as we're running up against you know, the end of the year mm-hmm. in August- that is when if we don't if we don't raise the debt ceiling for the 79th time, which we know we will, because interest rate pay, interest rate payments have gone so high because every one of these Fed increases right impacts that right August we will technically run out of money to pay our debts as a country. Exactly, uh, Rubini believes neither the U.S. central bank nor an indebted federal government will have the maneuvering room needed to sufficiently stimulate the economy. So. Back in 2009, it all sounds like sexual references now to me. <laughs> everything, the, the, everything, everything that comes out of my mouth. It, it just it, no, it's just Rubini. Like <laughs> I know what he's doing now. Oh, oh. I thought we were perverts on Why, the show. Uh, Rubini's just Rubini's mind- like an OG pervert. He's mind fucking everybody. He he's been he's been doing this shit. Yeah, on um, like the real center stage, like we joke around, like we're laureates and shit like that. But yeah. this guy actually is in front of the IMF saying yeah, this shit. Yeah, he's been dropping dick jokes for twenty years. Ain't nobody caught it yet. Yeah, exactly. This is why this stuff's starting to come out too. He's like, y'all don't want to anoint me yet. All right, then I'm gonna start letting out all my stories. Yeah, fuck it. But like, so in 2009, our government debt as percentage of our GDP, which is something that we've consistently cited on the show, uh, was 76 percent in 2009. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different now. Currently, over 130 percent. Yeah, that's what we like to call a problem in the business. Problem, kids. So here's a little backstory on your boy, Noriel. He was supposed to be a rug salesman like daddy. Yeah, like daddy. They thought he was going to go into the rug business. So like if those of you who don't know, like in like Middle Eastern culture, yeah, some even in Asian cultures, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, selling rugs is, I mean, it's there's a lot of money to be made there. So it's not. It's oh, not, yeah. And if you import to the U.S., there's oh. tons of money. I'm just saying that's what his family did. They expected him to go into mm-hmm. the family business. Me personally, it's one of the things about our culture I love the most. There I, is a lot of like rich cultural heritage wrapped into something as simple as a rug. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds stupid. So one thing I asked, I, I asked my wife, I said, listen, I know we, we grew up in these types of homes. We don't have to carry everything over. But the one thing I want is I want to. Tr- one traditional Afghan rug in You know, that home. surprised me why you didn't want one for the studio. Instead, we got this dirty-ass Ikea rug in here. We don't deserve to bring an Afghan rug in here yet. We could bring, like, an Iranian one. Like, yeah. one of those Chinese-Iranian ones that look like Iranian, but they're really Chinese. <laughs> no, I mean, some of the Iranian rugs, even Iranian rugs, man, there's the silk rugs are super wildly expensive. I'm, I'm not trying to spend that kind of money. Yeah, but I don't think people realizing some of these some of these rugs are, like, seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars 90000 Oh, bro, there's some OG ones that are, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, they get better with age. Just like Noriel Rubini. Just like, yeah. <laughs> good good segue. So let's see here. Apparently, your boy got in trouble for having a hot tub on the top of his penthouse in Manhattan. Yeah, so apparently New York cited him for an illegal hot tub. But Said, <laughs> please, please tell me, why would Noriel Rubini, a, a very well-known economist who's done things like predict the Great Recession, who is now calling for the stagflationary mm-hmm. debt crisis-like scenario, why would he need a hot tub, an illegal hot tub? In an interview with New York Magazine back in 2009, quote, the recession has been great for me, which reported him being seen with at least 
two girls hand in hand throughout the night. Quote, they love my beautiful mind, he said. I am ugly, but they're attracted to the brains. I'm a rock star among geeks, wonks, and nerds. Come, come on, man. It's so goddamn true. It's not even funny anymore. It's like, it's, it's like hey, pivot ain't easy, you know? <laughs> come on. It's just like, stop. And then he said, they asked him, like, how do you feel about the name Dr. Doom? Look, it's a nice nickname, he says. But I'll tell you what, when the recession hits, y'all be calling me Dr. Boom. <laughs> like, like he's, he's he's honestly like a rap star, right? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's trolling. He's, he's a, basically Tiger. Imagine Noriel Rubini's OnlyFans page. Oh my god! Oh, I, you know I went down the rabbit hole in this shit the other day, and I don't want anybody to judge me. And from my, my wife was listening, I looked at an article. I didn't look at the actual OnlyFans pages. Okay, this is a God's honest truth. Okay, I found an article which talked about the highest earners on OnlyFans and what you'll see. And what oh what you'll see if you subscribe so if you to subscribe them? to their they so it, they basically started off talking about like bad babies like that one girl who yeah yeah, yeah. we talked yeah, yeah. catch me outside you know Doctor Phil the, right, that right, girl right. who's now a rapper and all this stuff so apparently like she has she doesn't have a free page at all like some of them have like a free subscription and then a paid subscription on their OnlyFans oh so if you want to see a little more you pay for this yeah okay. but you can get like some other work whatever so this tripped me out so on like people like her page you pay like, they they can pick their own dollar amount per month like there's no like limit up or down like i didn't know this like you can pick whatever you want oh yeah okay so like black china has one a lot of them it's not porn it's just nude photos okay or like uh, sexually like explicit nude photos on your right. side but nothing that's like or whatever right? yeah nothing that's like i thought it was like porn for some of these people and for some people it is yeah i mean i get i guess that that too but if you're a celebrity and you're on like um who was a good example? Like Odun, Black China was one of them. Odun was saying that he was going to get an OnlyFans account just for research for the pod, right? That was what he said. I mean, for research purposes only. For research, right? right? Odun, that not isn't that what you said you were going to do? Yeah, didn't you yeah, say I was going to do that for Chris's feet. I want to see. You said, um, "Hey, bro, don't sleep yeah. my feet, man. My feet, listen, I forget love." Listen, I know exactly. I was gonna Shout out to research. the homies in the DMs looking for the feet. Like, look, I I will share my feet with you. Don't think that I won't. I'm not above this shit. Yeah. If my feet can make me an extra 50 grand a year by just sharing how sexy and sultry I, the curves are. I don't blame you. Look, I have the Kim Kardashian of feet. Yeah. <laughs> Kim Kardashian of feet. I could the LeBron, easily get 100 million the LeBron James of feet. Did you hear about that too, by the way? No. So LeBron James, this guy, he pops a tendon on the bottom of his foot. Okay. Couple, so like a month that, ago. that sounds painful. Yeah. Painful. He pops, gets on the floor, looks at, the, looks at his teammates, the camera zooms in and says, I heard a pop. Okay. You think he's done for this season. He's already back three weeks later. Went to Germany for a week. No one knows why. No, I know why. And they asked him, he said, what made you feel like you can come back and play? Because he said, I went to the LeBron James of feet. (laughs) The Germans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What did they do for you out there, my guy? Yeah. (laughs) Kobe did that once. (laughs) We know how that played out. For his knees. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. A little bit of uh, Ill- illegal blood transfusions, a little bit of some chemicals you can't get in the States. Yeah. But hey, man, if you're rich enough, ain't nobody need to know. No, no. Exactly. Take the PJ and you go. Right. Just like Noriel Rubini in his illegal hot tub. <laughs> I, I honestly, when I think of economists, I don't think of, of the man that, that this this guy is. Now I, I, I would have never, never thought in a million years. Dude, I need some type of biography, autobiography from this guy. Like, Did you also read the part where he says that he's constantly getting hit up? By people to be on like the, in the media, and he like declines like ninety five percent of them. Bro, if Kramer has made a name for himself, come on, this guy. What could this guy do? I, He's good. He knows. He knows what he can provide too. Yeah, but people don't want negativity all the time. That's one of the biggest. <laughs> that's honestly, why. That's think, why. That's why Kramer sells because he's always preaching positivity. 
No, but Kramer Kramer will blow smoke up your ass. He'll be like, That's- "You got to buy this, buy this now." You're right. Oh, Timothy, first time caller, long time listener from Chicago. Yeah, I mean, he does that kind of shit where he like people buy into it. But Noriel Rabini's is like they call him Doctor Doom for a reason. He's just negative, negative, negative. Right, right, right. But at some point in time, you got to understand, like he's playing to the same media audience as every asshole on social media is. Well, he he, also- he found something that works. That's his algorithm, so he plays to it. Right, and he also knows that. Look, at the end of the day, there there are cycles, so I'm gonna eventually be right about this. What do you think he does? The other like seven, ten, ten years, like in, in, in the positive economy, you think he's just sitting uh, home going like, "Shit, I called that one recession." Yeah, just gathering all the stats. <laughs> yeah, just talking to his boys. Told you so. Which one of you two ladies going to go ahead and get my beer now? <laughs> hey, hey, the article said at least two. It, holding it hands said, at the same said, time. At, at least two. Yeah. Wait, did I did I tell you the story about the time I saw Matt Leinart? This reminds me of the tor- that time. Have I told you this? No. Oh, it's so good. So my cousin, we were we were at a... I just gra- uh, transferred from junior college to UCI, and my cousin went to USC. And he was there for a couple months. He's like, dude, you got to come to these USC parties. I'm like, oh, man, I'm not much of a party guy or whatever. But he's like, just come. We'll have a good time. I'm like, all right, fine. He takes me, and I, I guess there's all that that frat row or whatever. Mm-hmm. We get down there. I'm like, dude, this is crazy. This is straight out of the movies. Like, Oh, it, it literally is out of movies. It's, it's, like, it's out of like, like Animal House. It's, it's, this was like prime USC football days, too, like mid-2000s. Right, right. This is like 2006. Pre-Reggie Bush. No, yeah, it was no with, with Reggie Bush. Bush. Oh, okay. Yeah, Reggie Bush, those years, the, 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 the prime years, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm not much of a college football guy, so I don't even know. I just know this guy's on ESPN every single day, so why not? So I go there. And I'm like, he's like, oh, we might see Reggie Bush today. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, let's go. I'm walking up to the house. No lie. Matt Leinert's walking out, right? I'm like, holy shit. Like, I'm just like starstruck because I'm like, I didn't think I was going to see him this early into the night. He's walking out, two ladies under his arms. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Matt Leinart, just like that. And he's about 10 feet away from me. And he just looks at me so calm and collected. He goes, hey, 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 shh, it's okay. And he just keeps walking. <laughs> God damn. Oh, yeah, he pit me so hard. He basically slapped me without slapping me. He basically said, look, I got two girls already. I don't need a third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, listen, I don't want to take you back too. I got enough here. So, listen, sir, my parking lot is full. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask you to take a ticket yeah. and come back later. I was like, I, that made my night too. I was like, that's it. I can go home now. I was good. <laughs> <You can laughs> I was go good. How hot were those girls though? Listen, man. I don't remember. You weren't married then, you can say. I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking you about. You can't go back in time and remember how hot girls were? I was, I was looking at him. Oh, fair point. Yeah. How big was it? <laughs> oh, him or me? No. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. That's what I did there. Let's, 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 um, let's get away from pimping. Let's go back to the economy. Let's go. Yeah, let's get back I to the I feel like economy. we've gone too far down the rabbit hole. All right. The same one that Matt Lyon went down twice. Mm. You want to get into these, this jobs report? Oh, man. The jobs report. The jobs report is going to get worse. That, that's, that's probably a good segue now that I think about it for mm-hmm. the whole AI thing at some point in time. Yeah, exactly. But let's get into the jobs report a little bit. And and this with the context, we know what's happening this week. So I think on Wednesday, you've mm-hmm. got uh, CPI. Yes. On Thursday, you've got PPI. And then I think on Friday, earnings. we have um, not, not just earnings. It's um, retail. Retail yes. numbers come out. Retail numbers come out. Yeah. And all the big, big banks are reporting earnings, right? Um, so let's that's jump. the 14th, right? Yes, the yeah. 14th. So let's go into the jobs report. So Bureau of Labor and Statistics reports that the economy added 236,000 jobs in March. Mm-hmm. All right. Just for uh, if you were curious to know, when you compare this to pre-pandemic levels, it's still double the rate from 2016 to 2019. Oh, no. 
So like, if people are thinking like, okay, so we had a good month and we're seeing we, we saw five hundred thousand, I think it was in January, uh, three hundred thousand in February. Now two hundred. So okay, so uh, we're coming down. No, but this is still double the rate of pre-pandemic levels, which is so wild. So here's my fear with this kind of stuff: is the Fed has said on more than one occasion lately that they are hyper focused on jobs. Mm -hmm. In some ways. Almost as much as it sounds like is, is inflation, CPI. Mm -hmm. The Fed uh, president, uh, I want to say his last name is Warren, of uh, New York's Fed president. Okay. Arun, look up uh, the New York Fed president. I think it's last name's Warren or something like that. Uh, you think you in Waller. Waller. Waller, thank you. Yeah. Sorry. No, John C. Williams. That's him. That's him. You're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> John C. Williams. Uh John C. Williams was on CNBC today, and he said some super scary shit to, to, to the world, what and I don't say? think they caught it. Okay. He said, number one, he doesn't expect inflation to fall to the 2% target until 2025. Yep. That's a long-ass time. Yeah. He also said, and this, I shit you not, he said this with a straight face, that he didn't think that the banking system was at risk, and that these banks had particularly unique problems that put them ideally situated for failure. But yes. that wasn't the Fed interest rate increases, which I'm going to say right out, it's bullshit. Really? Complete bullshit. That's not true at all. Mm -hmm. And then he went on to say- we know those tech startups that failed for uh, some of those banks, you know, Silicon Valley Bank. They contributed, and, but that's not right. what caused the run. Right. That, that's not what caused the run. It was the rhetoric. And, and let's be honest, their securities portfolio wouldn't be underwater. So again, the- the regulators of Fed requires banks to stress their interest rate risk, their interest rate sensitivity mm -hmm. by up to 4% in a worst case event scenario. Mm -hmm. They have raised rates over 4%. Right. There's no, there's no way to prepare for this. In the past year. So if you're the Fed and you know what, all these banks are stress testing their, their, their interest rate risk up to 4% mm -hmm. because you require that. Mm -hmm. If you're raising rates more than 4% in a single year, you know that's going to cause problems. Right. Just in and of itself. That's your litmus test for them being safe and sound, and then you raise it over that and wonder why they're not safe and sound. Right. You can't just say this is a pre-existing problem for these banks. Right. I think in the case of like Silvergate, sure, mm -hmm. okay, sure, but Silicon Valley Bank, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't we know. know. We know part of the Fed's job is to you know monitor the current job situation. Right. They can't. Part of their job is to not allow unemployment to get too far out of hand. So one could also argue that this may give them some flexibility and feel like they have more room to operate if if jobs are still because unemployment actually with this new jobs report fell from 3.6 now back down to 3.5 mm -hmm. percent which is the wrong way going, ahead of cpi and ahead of ppi this week going in the wrong way with respect to like wage inflation which will ultimately impact inflation as a whole so right my my question so I got two two big problems with what I've seen lately in the news. Number one, why are all the Fed presidents speaking? Y'all shut the fuck up. Yeah, just you're sick. not doing anything positive, but giving all these contradictory views. Mm -hmm. Stop. Yeah, they should be like, look, if Jerome Powell, as the Fed secretary, wants to be the one who speaks on behalf of the FOMC, right, and he wants to be the one to deliver the message and the rhetoric, right, then let him be that guy. Why is everybody else at the table going out in the media and having these conversations? Like, what insight are you providing? Especially when you say some shit like this that's completely contradictory. Mm -hmm. you're, you're just giving people things to speculate on. It's not helping anybody. You're not giving anybody clarity. 
Right. If anything, you're pissing me off in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like I was so pissed off. You know the conversation you're going to have later at night with me. Yeah. It, well, I was like, well, God damn it. Take a note. Write this down. This, this, <laughs> right. This, this, you know, William sucks ass. Right. So here's how. So a strong jobs report number. This is how it impacts um, what the Fed is looking at. The Fed has continuously said, you know, inflation is still running hot. And when this when this whole thing first started, especially when it was at its peak at 9.1% back in June, we had inflation. Was, was that June? Wow. Nine point. Yeah. It's almost a year ago now. Almost a year ago. Wow. Um, it was mainly had to do with goods. Goods inflation was high. Now it's switched over. Goods inflation has come down and we're seeing high inflation in services. Mm-hmm. So what is Which, that? Which, by the way, is kind of bullshit. How so? Because if we had goods inflation, right, the mm-hmm. cost of buying things went up. Mm-hmm. And now we're having the cost of getting services going up. Mm-hmm. To me, that's companies taking advantage of the market. Mm-hmm. It, you can't just say, oh, our costs went up, so your costs go up. What, what If you're paying more wages since then to now, yeah. y'all done some shit wrong. Well, so for Obviously, we know for some sectors, right, they're more interest rate sensitive. Other oh, se- okay, that, that, but yep. Yeah. Okay, so the airlines? Yeah, so we'll get- Why is travel up 26%? We'll get into that because we know, we know that the Saudis and OPEC Man, they, they, they decided they decided to cut some of their production, and that's gonna really fuck this whole thing up. The, on, on the the international stage, I'm not prepared to talk about it on the show yet because I don't think I'm, I'm educated as much as I want to be. But on the international stage, there are a lot of countries moving away from, and we referenced this in the past show, the U.S. dollar, and yeah. and in the United States in general. Yeah, and, for and the there listener, are some scary implications. There. Yeah, for the listener that actually sent me that question, don't worry, we're doing our research. We want to do a good deep dive on that, but. Give you an educated response. No, we don't. We're just lazy. Yeah. We're just, <laughs> just, keep we're just lazy. We're gonna keep alluding to it until you listen and listen and listen, and then finally, when you're ready to stop listening, I'll we'll give you the answer. Until you show me proof that you recommended ten friends over. Yeah, we're gonna need to see evidence. At least some evidence. So, uh, some sectors that added the most jobs: leisure and hospitality added seventy-two thousand. I don't understand. Every every I'm time, I'm so confused. Every time I'm in Chicago this weekend, this yeah. week, yeah. Every fucking room booked. They knew you were coming, bro. They they had to they had to staff up because of your black card, bro. <laughs> I crossing lines now. What do you mean? That's... So I got I've got some. You want me to get a little sidebar here? Okay, I got some go. funny stories for you. Okay, you do, huh? One of which my wife's gonna be so pissed off that I'm I'm, I'm sharing. <laughs> then so share I'm, that one first. I'm, no, I'll share that, one, I'll share that one at the end. So I have a little bit of a problem because I travel so much with American Airlines. Like okay. I'm on like their preferred Platinum Pro or whatever it is. Like their oh yeah, I know what a difficult going. problem. Shut up. I know where this is going. Arun, you're such an asshole. You're so mean, bro. You're such. I'm an not asshole. at. Oh, you, dude, it you, happened twice. The second time was worse. Yeah. The first time we, I think we alluded to this on the last episode. Yeah, the first time I was upgraded to first class because that's the way it works. They'll upgrade you if seats available. Got it. But my wife, my son, and my mother-in-law were in coach, aka Gen Pop. So they're back there with the rest of the prisoners. He lifts. <laughs> <laughs> he lifts. And I'm listening I to Beethoven <laughs> with some metal somewhere. With some caviar. <laughs> Trying to get my pre-flight buzz on. Drinking orange juice out of a champagne glass. Yeah, orange juice. No. Come on, fresh Mimosa, Prince, bro. Fresh, fresh Prince reference. I know what it was. Uh, we right. can't reference Will Smith anymore. Oh, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, he's canceled. He's <laughs> <It's> canceled. <laughs> you keep my wife's name. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So... The first flight, they put me, my wife's like, hey, you go up there. I'm with my mom in the back. The three of them were like close to each other. I'll take care of our son. I felt really bad, but of course I had to do it. I had, I had I mean, somebody to, had to do I, it. I mean, someone not, has to. It can't go to waste. Like, my mother-in-law is four foot ten. Right. Okay? She can't so sit there. She, she, 
that she would she would be swimming in an ocean of space. Right. It would it would just be rhetoric for a fight. Right. And she loves she loves Carter. She loves Carter. She it only, next to him. It so, only makes sense that she's next to him. So I I took one for the team and sat in first class by myself. You're such a good guy. I was alone. Honestly, you're the best guy. But I worked the entire time. Got it. <laughs> I was working. Okay. So I was paying for the flight. On the laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Paying yeah. for the flight. We get ready to go home. And we'd call and said, hey, why wasn't my wife, because with my status, like my wife should get upgraded too. Mm-hmm. So on the way back, they upgraded me and my wife, didn't upgrade Carter. He's yeah. not sitting anywhere near my mother-in-law. Oh, what? And so, you couldn't, so she couldn't take it. So she, so what? So Joanna didn't take it or she did take it? No, no, they upgraded us automatically. So our seats were given up and we were already pushed to first class. Oh, no. And the, their flight, so there's one more seat in first class, uh-huh. but I got Carter and my mother-in-law. Yeah. Oh, I had yeah, but it has to be Carter. What do you mean? It has Carter to be Carter, sit, right? He can't, Carter sit, by can't sit by himself. Bro. I mean, he can't have a cigar and hang out by the exit door. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to be able to do that. So, <laughs> is he walking away from grandma like? <laughs> so, so I, you know, I'm I'm in Chicago and I'm like, damn, this is a problem. So we upgrade Carter. I paid like five hundred dollars in points. Uh, yeah, points at, covered at that it, right? point, you gotta like you gotta let grandma come sit. You gotta be a gentleman, sit back there. I offered to. The offering is that where you just you forcefully move her to she she sat in, in gem pop. She sat in gem pop. Yeah, no, I'm a terrible human being. Like, honestly, my wife was my wife you, how do you my sleep? wife pushed me into that. How like, do you was, sleep? Don't put this on Joanna. No, no, but see here's what I'm gonna <laughs> do. We go back to the story I shouldn't share with you, okay? So she she went downstairs to have a drink with, with a cousin. Okay. She had like two cocktails that were very stiff cocktails, clearly. And I didn't know at first that she was drunk when she came back to the room because we had a dinner to go to. Got it. Right? So my mother-in-law is going to watch her son, and she was amazing. My, my son adores her. They're, they're yeah, amazing, right? good relationship. Great relationship, and she she wanted to cuddle with him. It's one night. of my favorite things. Seeing my kids in the relationship with the grandparents, it's, it's the awesome. Best. It's yeah. very underrated. So we get in the Uber and we head over to this like high upscale place, mm-hmm. and I'm wearing a hoodie. Apparently, they changed the rules recently. You have to wear a college shirt, and the hoodie wasn't acceptable. And we're talking to uh, the bouncer, mm-hmm. right, who's like the this doorman. It's an elevator that goes up like the third floor. Got it. And he's like, you don't have to change. I'm like, look, I have no problem going back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. I just, can we talk to like the hostess though and make sure she's cool? We come back a little later. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll take you up. Mm-hmm. In the elevator up there, my wife, who's like talking about our twins because there's twins, her cousin's twins that are with us. That went with you guys on the trip. But he thinks we got newborn twins and our son and another six, a four and a half year old with us. He thinks they're all ours. So my wife asked him how many kids he has. He has seven, including twins. <laughs> he's like, I'll raise you. Yeah. And I looked at him. I'm like, God damn. I'm like, wow, bro. And you can tell he, he's former military or something. This guy was sharp, like buttoned up. Right. Takes me up there. And um, he's talking to my wife and I'm talking to the hostess. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I know it's a terrible thing. And my wife literally throws up. The, she goes, even if we have a black card? Oh. <laughs> hey, at that point, at that point you have. <laughs> oh. I look at my wife and I'm like. Don't do that. I was like. Please don't do that. Oh, she's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he he didn't hear it, right? So he, he didn't hear oh, it. Oh, okay, he didn't hear yeah. it. He didn't know idea what it would I mean, you could tell like it just either he didn't hear it or had no idea what she was referring to. Yeah. I looked at her like, What's wrong with you? <laughs> that's not that's not that's not what's gonna get it. A and couple, then she licked me. A co- <laughs> oh she licked your <laughs> my she licked my face and then I was like, Oh, you're drunk. Oh yeah. Oh I was like, All right then, tonight's gonna be a good night. Maybe 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 a couple of Benjamins would have greased him, but No, you know what happened? Is he went over to some like some some other guy in the club, like, mm-hmm. like it, it was like a club, it's a restaurant, but it sounds yeah. like a club when you yeah. walk in there. He goes over to another guy, he goes over to me, he gives me like this like 
really close to his chest, like shake my hand thing. Yeah. Looking back on it, and I just shook his hand. I just grabbed his hand and shook his hand. Right. He wanted money. Oh, he wanted you to, yeah. And I'm like, yo, man, like I. We, uh, we played that game back in the day, and we, I've outgrown that now. Bro, it's a restaurant. I'm not greasing a restaurant bouncer. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah, exactly. He actually said, no, we're going to let you stay, blah, blah, it's all good. And I think he was waiting for a tip, and I was like, all right, cool, where's the table over there? <laughs> yeah, bro, have you, you seen these inflation numbers? It's crazy out here. Yeah, so it, it wound up being a great restaurant, uh, Maple and Ash, mm. but uh, a great restaurant. But I feel like I've heard that name before. Is that the only one? I, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. All right. We know that, you know, a strong jobs report. Minus one for the segue. Yeah, minus, just go get right into it. Mm -hmm. For those of you still hanging on to jobs, uh... A strong job report like this hurts the services inflation that has not been coming down since the last CPI print. Service inflation hasn't been coming down. Before these reports, the probability of the Fed leaning towards a pause in rate increases was most likely. But now with this jobs report, expectations are that the Fed will raise interest rates at their next meeting on May 3rd. Yeah. and By 25 basis yeah, points. Yeah, consensus 25 basis points. I haven't looked at Bloomberg's probability index lately but mm -hmm. i can rest assured i can tell you that it's gonna be it's very very likely it's gonna be 25 basis it's, points and it's it's stunning right. how much it, it's almost like it's almost like the conversation at the fomc has been we're gonna drive this country into a recession yes because we believe that we need to right but we're just not gonna come out and say it right i mean i, I don't i don't know Everybody's talking about credit tightening up. I and mean, that's the other thing that William said. is like, well, we're not seeing any evidence of credit. What are you talking about? You're not seeing any evidence of credit tightening up. It's happening. I've seen I feel it. Like, I feel like if they, if the Fed would have taken a slower approach, though, I don't think it would have. It doesn't feel like it would have helped the inflation problem. I do feel like. What do you mean by that? Unpack that a little bit. Give me a little more deep. Because I, I know part of what we said in the past was, okay, you know, they had eight, so far eight rate increases, yeah, right? Yeah. And four of those being 75 basis points back to back to back, mm -hmm. right? To back. To back. Um, we were talking about how that was at a historically fast pace and maybe was not needed, right? In order to get to where we are. But My, my argument has been that they didn't have to go so fast to get to the but, same result. But, I mean, look, you could also see that even with them going this fast, we're still adding 500,000 jobs in January, 300,000 jobs mm -hmm. in February. Yeah. 200 like wages inflation still high what what would have inflation turned out to be i mean what, what what would have happened in the housing market well number one i think inflation was moving down long before they hit like the 475 interest rate 75 base point increases in a row mm -hmm. would we still have high jobs yeah we would yeah but if we're talking about inflation not hitting the two percent target until 2025 yeah what does it fucking matter if it was 2025 or 2026 yeah you know what I mean? Like, I mean, but we don't. I guess there's no way to know if it would only have been 2026. Here, right? Here's the problem, is, and the is, thing is, we know we know inflation's not at six percent. We know it's more than that. Yeah, you know. To, to, well, to, to your impacts your wallet. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So here, here's my problem: is from like a bigger macro picture. Mm -hmm. If you're concerned uh, about the economy and you're concerned about how this impacts sectors and the American consumer. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you just go a little slower and be more cautious? Yeah. What What are you afraid of? Mm -hmm. You know, hyperinflation. Yeah, I mean that we were ways away from getting there. So yeah, maybe to your point, you know, see how a slower approach goes before. But then, then you really run the risk of like continuing to raise rates during an election. 
So and, and, that should and then, not and then, be their concern. And then you know that it, but you know that it would impact the election. So what? Yeah. Well, so what? I mean, honestly, you're supposed to be independent of politics, and you're supposed to to be there doing a job which is based on monetary policy. Yeah, but then you know, you know, the media is going to spin it every which way from Friday. Yeah, but so that's, they're, that's they're trying, not supposed maybe, maybe to be what to get they're out, thinking about. Maybe they're trying to get out in front of it. I mean, some people were out there saying that they they thought that they should have just increased it, you know, to five percent out the gate. See where this goes. And those people are stupid. Yeah, <laughs> they're not understanding the impacts. Do not understand the impacts of the economy. But okay, so. Right now, it would, it would effectively shut down lending in total, right? It'd be across the world, right? Um, right now, probability of twenty-five basis point increase in May—that's that's where it is. But to solidify that, we'll know in the coming days. Once this episode drops, CPI will have already come out. PPI will, have already, will have already come out. Yeah. And um, banks will have reported their earnings. Bank, well, the big banks will report big their banks, earnings, and right. then so a lot of the community JP Morgan banks are Chase, spread out Wells Fargo, bit, yeah. BlackRock, Citigroup, PNC Financial, all yeah. of them. BlackRock, I'm really curious to hear hear theirs. Right. I I think they they uh, they're gonna have some interesting earnings issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Liquidity actually that's too. that's actually something that I wanted to get into you about because I was get hoping to me about. Yeah, hopefully we'll get some information from these reports. To help stabilize and help ease the tension across, you know, the regional banking sector. I don't know how much, but I would like to know if we're going to get more information on how much did these banks, if at all, access the Fed's discount window. So I don't think you're going to see anything of note in the big banks. Okay. They're gonna they're gonna report that they had a ton of liquidity come in, and some of it go out as it relates to people who wanted to go into securities as opposed to keep cash. Right. So I think it's going to be a net net growth for them, but not a significant growth as most people expect. Right. They're not going to have a need to tap into the Fed discount window and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the reason why the Fed discount window is so um, kind of hyped up right now mm-hmm. is the Federal Reserve has basically allowed banks that have securities that are underwater to pledge them at par or at their normal market cost that haven't lost a value. Right. Their par value and not their fair market value. But there's some challenges in that too that people don't understand from an accounting perspective. Mm-hmm. So effectively, if you take your securities, which now let's say you bought them at $100 per security mm-hmm. and they're now valued at $80 per security, you've lost that 20% of your value. Right. Right. And the Fed says, hey, you can pledge that to us and we'll give you $100 right. as your value and we'll give you a 50% up to $100. Yes. You know, so we're not going to take that discount into consideration. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's great. They have extra, ca- you know, access to extra capital. They don't have to realize this, un- you know, unrealized loss. It's great. Mm-hmm. Except it moves it from on balance sheet liquidity mm-hmm. effectively. Well, I shouldn't say on balance sheet. It moves it from liquidity that's on your balance sheet that you can handle and carry mm-hmm. to a security that's pledged. It's not as liquidatable. Right. So even though you've pledged it to the federal home loan or the federal, uh, the Fed window, yes, it now shows up as less liquidity on a bank's balance sheet. Mm-hmm. And as you know, banks have had people going and pulling out their money. Right. So this thing that's supposed to help banks keep their liquidity up. Yes. And give them access to more capital if they need it. Yes. Is actually going to make them look like they have less capital on their balance sheet in the form of liquidity. Right. Because they're pledging their securities. And that was the other aspect of this that I was hoping that maybe we we'll, we can take a look at some of these and provide some insight on. Community banks, uh, community, uh, regional, super regional banks, 
Those are going to be where it's really interesting. I think First Republic is going to be fascinating. You got to listen. That's the one. one. They're also coming out. They're in this group that yeah. they're reporting on. You got to listen to them. Friday, but I, I listen to them. But so there's something on the income statement that that should be reported, which is the loan loss provisions, right? Which so the allowance for loan losses uh, used to be A Triple L is largely CECL, uh, current expected credit loss module, and okay. what that basically means is that at acquisition or origination of new loans, they have yes. to set aside reserves for losses. Yes. And it goes through basically their own little algorithm to get there. And I'm simplifying it. Right. It's basically how much banks are setting aside for potential loans that they feel like they can't collect on. But outside of that CECL calculation, that that algorithmic calculation at origination or acquisition, it's a proactive versus reactive reserve. You're also taking your things that are your classified assets, your things that have already gone bad. And you're saying, okay, this loan to... Um, this business is now not likely to pay 100% back. They're right. defaulting. We're going to do um, a discounted cash flow analysis. We're going to figure out how much collateral we have, mm -hmm. and we're going to put a mark against the loan, basically a, a reserve for a loss against the loan. If this, if they owe us $100,000 and we think we're only going to get back $50,000, right. the mark is $50,000. Mm -hmm. And you add that in to your CECL analysis, so your aggregate number should go up. Yes. In addition to this algorithmic way so of that's, this. So that's what I'm curious to see is if some of these big banks have added more to that loan loss provision. It wouldn't surprise me so at all, no. Be because they're afraid, it'll, it'll be telling on where, they, where they're starting to see the market going. So it's not necessarily as, as simple as that. So mm -hmm. a lot of them use services like Moody's or you know global S&P data. They have to use some outside data in addition to their portfolio data, the legacy history stuff. Okay. You have an unprecedented economy right now, mm -hmm. right? This has never happened before. So you can't really look at your loan losses historically and say, okay, these loan losses that we've experienced recently, mm -hmm. they're like the ones we've experienced before in the past. You kind of have to know this is unique. Yes. So you're relying heavily on the data. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of that data from Moody's we've talked about on the show has a bit of a lag. Yeah. So if sectors are being impacted, some of that's just like a forecast. That's part of why I got in such an argument with, with Mark Zandi over like housing. Yeah. When he was talking about housing was going to go up in the next couple of years. Well, now they've revised it down. Yeah. But just because we, from a common sense perspective, know that, they didn't have the data to support it. So they were saying home prices weren't going to go down. It wasn't possible. Yeah, that's the, but that's the problem when you're, when you're so intertwined with the data, you're not even thinking logically anymore. So look at the bank failures that we saw. That's yeah. all been in this last quarter. Mm -hmm. So how much of that is really going to trickle down to the data that you're seeing in Moody's? I think it's going to take another quarter or two before you start seeing that impact a lot of the stress testing, the stuff you've seen in the portfolio. So I don't Got think it's going to be it's sensational. I think you're going to see marks. Here's where I think you're really going to see marks in, in the banking sector, in okay. my honest opinion. Yes. Is it's not uncommon for banks to own debt, sub-debt on other banks or make investments in other banks. Okay. Those investments or those that sub-debt for other banks, those will be marked down because the banking sector we know has already been impacted. Mm -hmm. So if you're community bank A, yeah, and you have uh, a $20 million investment in the stock of bank B, Yes. Right? Well, that stock probably went down a lot in value. Mm -hmm. And that's not uncommon for community banks to have kind of that nexus with one another. It's a little intertwined, but if you're going to hold liquidity, you might as well invest in something that's got some return on it. And that's one of the things that some banks have done. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, the banking sector, sector risk, yeah. that's the stuff you're going to see marked down this quarter on the earnings call. Okay. Um, but I don't think it's going to be, I think the next quarter, this is why July was such a big month for us when we targeted out in advance is because when you think about it, um, January, February, March, right? Report yeah. in April. Right. Right. April, May, June, report in 
July. Yes. So April, May, June, I think this three-month period, we're going to start to see the impacts of all this stuff Yeah. from an accounting perspective, and you can really feel it and see it in July. This stuff right now is a little bit early in the cycle mm-hmm. to really see, I think, the true... I think you're going to get like a little peak, but you won't see the damage until July. Right, yeah. But this week, um, to wrap it up, is going to be a big week for what we can expect to see in the beginning of May from the Fed. Um, and I don't think it's going to, it's not going to look as great in the coming months because CPI should give us a clear view of what the Fed will do at the next meeting. Current CPI is at 6.0%. What do you think CPI mm. should be at in order to warrant a pause in rate increases? I don't think you get one. You don't think you want regardless? Market no. expectation is 5.2%. So a drop from 6% to 5.2. That's the expectation. E- expectation is 5.2%, really? Uh, yeah. So it, 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 it could disappoint. So now if it does come in at 5.2, do you feel like that could warrant a, a pause? I think, well, if it came in at 5.2, I think the Fed would be so worried. And this is not right, but it's what I think could happen. Mm-hmm. The Fed might be so worried they're going to lose face with some of the things that they've said. Mm-hmm that they might just do the 25 base point increase anyway. Because remember that inflection point has always been if the rate of inflation is below the Fed funds terminal rate. Yes. Then they feel like they're in a satisfactory position to drive that down to 2%, 2 to 3% target right. rate. Right. And they'll likely hold that there for an extended period of time as it continues to go. They've said on more than one occasion, they, the Fed, the FOMC, said on more than one occasion, they're not going to hold rates until it drops to 2%. Mm-hmm. They're going to hold rates until they feel like they're progressing in the trajectory at the cadence that they needed to yes. in order to start cutting rates and slow it down because they don't want to dip it, dip it exactly. far below Exactly. So that. It, it, theoretically, right, if CPI came down from 6% down to 5.2%. I really don't see that happening. I don't see it record, happening yeah. either. For the record, I don't see it happening. I, d- I definitely don't see it continuing to happen with uh, what's going on in oil and gas, right? See, this, this is the problem. So oil and gas is really, really impactful. And we go mm-hmm. back to when inflation was stickiest. Yeah. It was really oil and gas that was propping that up. Right. I do think that you're going to start to see rent and rent rental rates come down, but it takes about six months for that to happen. Yep. I would not be surprised if inflation didn't come down at all. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I would not be surprised. I think it's early because a lot of the impacts from the oil side hasn't been, oil and gas hasn't been felt yet. Hasn't been felt yet, right. But I would not be surprised if we said, okay, mm-hmm. what what is, gonna, what from, if you think about the inflation number, CPI, mm-hmm. and you think about the averages that you've seen in your head, like, you know, airline travel being 26% up, that was the biggest one last time. Right. And you go through all those things in your head that, that you, you've seen up, mm-hmm. which one of those categories do you think has come down? Like what, what category leisure and hospitality hasn't come down? No. I'll tell you right now, I was just traveling. It's it's crazy. Airline travel hasn't come down. No, exactly. So with gas and oil going up, right? You, we know energy prices are going up. Now energy only makes up seven and a half percent of the report, but you're not thinking of just energy. You got to think about how this affects everything. Agriculture, Mm -hmm. transportation, yep, all that. Yeah. All all your, that's what scares me too, is that's. We went, we went from a goods to a services-based inflation. Mm-hmm. It could go right we could back go to right go, back to goods. Yeah, right exactly. back to goods because like, I, I took a look at this. So just think about uh, plastic resin is a derivative for crude oil. It's used every day to create bottles, wires, clothes. You legitimately have that teed up? That, teed was, up. that, was, that was ready to go? You saw, I knew where you were going and I had, I had the- That's scary. Yeah. We've been doing this a while. I know. It just, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. It's like you're inside my mind. <laughs> yeah. So we know. So that's going to affect everything. From transportation, agriculture, mm-hmm. shipping, I mean, and then you just airfare 
is going to continue to stay high. I, I don't get it. And every single flight was sold out. Well, My poor mother-in-law had to sit in Gen Pop because well, of it. Air, air, yeah, every flight sold out, but they're also canceling flights. Yeah, they're canceling flights so to put them, push them up into yeah. yeah. Southwest is notorious for this. This is That's why I won't the, fly Southwest anymore. The worst, man. I'd, I'd rather kick myself in the ding-ding. That's like my biggest fear. It's it like a flight being canceled, and now I'm just stuck at the airport all day? It's happened to me more times than I can remember. Yeah. Southwest does it all the time, right? That flight isn't full, or it's like half full. Mm -hmm. They'll cancel the flight and push everybody on to the next flight. No, not happening. Yeah, they, I like to call it the dirty birdie. They give you the dirty birdie. <laughs> the dirty birdie. Yeah, <laughs> dirty birdie. Every time I get there, I'm looking at him like, son of a bitch, I'm it's getting like, the dirty birdie. Yeah, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> You go, it's a plane hey, that flies also like a bird. Yeah, yeah, bird yeah. yeah, exactly. They're trying to stimulate the economy. Now just go yeah, eat at this yeah, restaurant. I don't want to stimulate go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go eat at this restaurant, fat boy. Yeah, right over here. Yeah, and, and I do. Go buy I, one I of do. those neck pillows. How many I neck do. pillows do you can own? We take a, can we take a brief pause in the show's, you know, architecture here and say, I, Arun. Yes, sir. Give, give him a clap. Come okay, on, what's come going on? on? I don't know what I'm clapping he for. He worked out today, man. Oh, he worked out today. Yeah, but he did. <laughs> you want to tell him what I did? Yeah, that, you, that was that was also a dirty birdie. That was also, I gave yeah. this guy the dirtiest. So of I'm dirty sitting birdies. in the office today and I'm, I'm thinking about my day and I'm thinking, like, oh, God, I have to get a workout in before I go home. Oh, you got to backtrack a little bit. What? Why? Why are we getting workouts in? What's going on in 30 days? Oh, so 30 days from yesterday, the 9th of April is May 9th. I will be going on the, uh, the world famous. Oh yeah, the, the the number one fitness podcast in the world. Mike. I mean, um, some would some would say the number one podcast. My the reason why this took so long, and I know a lot of people listening to the show are going to ask the question. I, I I'm happy to answer it. It was a little bit of a secret <laughs> before. Is I insisted on holding hands with Adam the entire time. Yeah, I was doing the podcast and until we we could reach that agreement. Yeah, I wasn't going to go on. I, I agree. Yeah, and uh, I was giving them the stiff arm. Uh, the stiff. The stiff arm. Arm. Okay, yeah. finish that. Um, yeah, that's right. Like a baby arm. <laughs> I have a feeling like uh, these types of conversations will not be happening on my pub, though. I feel like they should. They. I mean, they absolutely should. I saw Adam Adam put out a poll, like, how many of the listeners would be interested in, you know, going back to the old mind pump where we would we would talk like this? I know. If we had an OnlyFans mind pump. That's the thing is I, oh I know that God. I'm... I know they're they're they've invited me on the show, mm -hmm. and I recognize they're probably going to lose sponsors as a result of it. I'm telling you right now, this is what's going to happen to us too. Watch, I've already got an idea what I'm going to do. Yeah. I was going to tell you, but I'll tell you well, now. We're going to lose sponsors? No, no, no. Because no. <laughs> this, <laughs> well in case, in ca yeah, in case, in case you didn't know, everybody, this show is sponsored by nobody. Yeah, for nobody. Yeah, <laughs> by nobody. Yeah, exactly. And you too can be somebody <laughs> if you listen to nobody. Yeah. <laughs> I've been passing billboards like like sponsored by like a Regency company that does them all around LA, and I'm like, yeah. damn it, I should probably do that. Yeah, like we should get a big, big billboard. But before I do that, mm -hmm. because Mind Pump has just got new, new Sony cameras and they're going to record yeah. it and they have right. the whole video YouTube. I'm actually, I swear to God, I'm gonna wear like a giant UPC on my shirt. <laughs> like, I mean, we got to get you QR some, code kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, we got to <laughs> we got to get you some higher standard gear, which I got coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah working on it. I just got to know your size. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to share on the show. <laughs> Noriel Rabini's hot tub. <laughs> only so, you would know. Okay, so we're going. We're going to Mind Pump. We're all. We're all actually going. Chris is going to be the only one on the show. But I, I didn't want to be the fattest guy. I, I want to bring up the actual body fat percentage on Mind Pump. Yeah. Because I've, I've been having some carefree times lately. Yeah. We we started off strong in the studio drinking alcohol like too much. Too much. And uh, so I said, you know what? For the next thirty days, I'm working out, and I got some just real simple. Kind of basic parameters, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm going to hit my, my caloric target, active caloric target, 1,200 calories a day. Mm -hmm. I'm going to log all my food. I'm going to you know start tracking things to the extent that I can. Prioritize sleep. Prioritize sleep. All, all the basic general healthy stuff you should be doing, but you lose track of. 
Yes. For 30 days straight, every single day. Mm-hmm. Working out, probably the most difficult just from a timing perspective, how to get it in. But I got, I got the home gym cleaned up. I'm good. Okay. Yep. But uh, that being said, we, we committed, the three of us, to doing the same thing. Yes, we did. We all committed. I made sure everyone committed. Honor system, but we'll keep each other, you know, held accountable because we see when they, we work out because we have all have Apple Watches. Yes. And uh, today, I'm sitting in the office, minding my own business, thinking about my day, <laughs> and Saeed sends a message, hey guys, like, what do you think about um, recording the show at 6 p.m.? Yeah. We typically don't get in the studio until at least 9 p.m. Yes. And we don't finish recording until like midnight, 12.30 sometimes. But the guys at the show, everyone should know, which I'm extremely grateful for. They push the show back to 9 p.m. just so that I can put my kids down at night. Not just you. I mean, I got kids. No, I know, but you put Everyone's your you kids. put Carter down earlier, and he's got and he's got uh, the baby goes to sleep at what time, Odun? Like eight eight thirty. Like eight eight thirty, right? So it's not just for you; it's for all of us. Yeah, yeah, but I but I do appreciate. it. I know that it started off that way. Nah, nah. So why are you gonna be arrogant about this shit? Yeah. Arrogant. Yeah, very I'm, I'm un- try- Keanu Reeves of you. I'm trying. I'm trying to be Keanu Reeves here. You'd be like, bro, I know, man. Yeah. And you, you're He's just the best. like, it's about me. It's very black card esque of you. Oh, wow. My wife is going to be very offended by that comment. <laughs> okay, I'm so, not offended. I'm, 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 uh, I'm saddened by it. Uh, so I hit the group. I hit the group chat with the 6 p.m. Let's record at 6 p.m. And I thought, yes, I get to go to bed at a normal time, prioritize some sleep. Yeah, I was so so happy. And then I get a message from you privately. Yeah, saying. Watch this. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> and I thought it was a test to see how serious I was about showing up. Yeah. No, we know you're not serious. Yeah. <laughs> At all. <laughs> yeah, Odun thought it was a test on his commitment levels. And he said, like the good sport that he is, I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah. And then I said, okay, cool. Because uh, now that what you know you're free and you don't have anything on your calendar at 6 p.m., why don't you go ahead and take your ass to the gym? <laughs> that was mean, man. I'm telling you right now. It was mean because it upset me, number one, that I know that I'm set to record late. Bro. Hey. And it upset him because now he's got to go work out. He was, hey. <laughs> and then here's the thing. I screenshot the text thread and I send it to his wife. I'm like, make sure to keep his that's, ass accountable. That's a low blow, bro. Bro, I've never bro. met a guy who may, has, makes more excuses. And then his wife sends him like pictures of fat dudes for the next like, hour. <laughs> no, she didn't. She did. No, she didn't. Arun, tell him. She did. See? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that part. Just. Which normally I would say is gifts. Yeah. But yeah. I re- she I re- came home with I groceries respect- and she's like, I'm meal prepping for this week. I'm like, yeah. okay. This food's not for you though. Yeah. <laughs> I respect her so much. My more. wife meal prepped for me today too. So, like at home. So we all closed our rings. Also, I'm not even wearing my watch anymore. Yeah. That's, how, that's how far out in front of like you guys I am. Yeah. 1,300 calories and some change. I mean, when you're carrying around more weight, you know? It's true, bro. 258 on the scale today. I'm so proud of you. Wildly that. inappropriate. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Arun is saying, don't forget to get an AI uh, GPT. Chat GPT, that's right. Chat GPT. Right. Before before we get on to that, though, we got, like, we I want to say there were some revisions by the Federal Reserve of Atlanta that we didn't put on here that I thought is, is noteworthy. So this is, I like the Federal Reserve of Atlanta. I did typically find their data to be consistent and good, mm-hmm. particularly their, um, their uh, what's it called now? The something now shit. I'm like uh well I was referencing I, I, I was referencing the GDP numbers that they that they produce. Is it GDP now? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Odin, can you go? Arun, look up uh Atlanta Fed um GDP now. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So as we know, definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. It is the GDP now, Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. Damn it, I'm good. You are good. I mean, I've been working with you for a long time. Yeah. So you said you liked the thing that I was gonna reference. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Good call. <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep referencing it. Keep referencing it. 
So we know that uh, definition of recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, mm-hmm. right? But that needs to be declared by who? The National Bureau of Economic Research, who has been oddly silent for pretty much all of like last year. Yeah, Ember. Nothing. Right. Uh, so Federal Reserve of Atlanta is expecting the first quarter of GDP will come in at? Negative. Positive. Son of a bitch. 2.2%. Yeah. All right. That actually, that's as of today, April 10th. Um, that was recently revised downward from 3.5% two weeks ago to 1.5% and then went back up to 2.2%. Yeah, they do this. They'll, they'll fluctuate. They'll towards, fluctuate, towards yeah. They'll, and they, they adjust it, I think, weekly or something, right? Um, uh, yeah, it's almost real time. It's actually pretty impressive how, much, yeah. how fast they do it. That's why they call it GDP now. Right. Meanwhile, right, yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the New York Fed is saying that there's a 58% chance currently we will have a recession in the next 12 months. So if we're projecting positive, fed, motherfuckers. If we're if we're projecting positive, Williams over there like just saying, <laughs> what banking problems? Yeah, bastard. Yeah. Positive two point two percent GDP growth, and then we need two negative quarters. What does that mean? No, for- no, 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 no. Here, here's the thing that bothers me about that. So, yes, you would need historically two negative quarters of GDP growth. Okay, which we had from January 1, 2022 to June 2022. Yes, we did. And then everyone was like, no, 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 that's not a recession. So now let's say you get it. Mm-hmm. We just said that wasn't a recession last time. Why is it a recession this time? Yeah. They're going to say, oh, well, jobs aren't as strong. Really? Because they look pretty fucking strong to me. Yeah, it actually went back down 3.5%. Yeah, okay. Well, um, unemployment's still lo- it's still pretty fucking low now. Yep. What's going to be different from then to now? If we Even if we have to... And here's the part is I know that people are like, oh, Chris is really hoping for negative GDP growth. He wants a recession. No. No, no, no. What I want is to get to the other side. I want to get to the boom that Noriel Rabini was yeah, referencing. I want, yeah, exactly. I want to start calling him Dr. Boom. Yeah, I want to get the boom that's boom. That's it. I just want to get the boom boom room. Yeah, I want to get to the boom boom. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what he calls the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> the boom boom room. <laughs> <laughs> the Dr. Doom's boom boom room. You know uh, what I mean? Pim, pim, hooray. Name that movie. Name that. Oh, come on, man. Boom Boom Room. The Boom Boom Room. You name it. Yeah. Oh, uh, don't do this. You're, you're tap dancing right Ice now. Cube. No. No. What? <laughs> Life. 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 Yes. Yeah. That, that's that a, was a really Ray. weird Martin Lawrence, Eddie, that Eddie was, Murphy movie. That was my, one of my favorites. It, weird? It, it, it was it funny, was but it was it was like seriously weird, too. Hey, Odun, why you got to say nasty shit, Ray? Because I'm a nasty motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> Love that movie, man. Love that's that odd movie. That you two practice that. No, man, that's show. just one of my favorite lines <laughs> ever. That's just, you see guys say it to each other a lot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we say it to each other every night before bed. In front of your wives? Yeah, well, exactly. Fingers in your belly buttons. So, let's get into this AI. So, I have spent uh, a great deal of time trying to understand ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. It started off with me before ChatGPT 4 came out. Very prudent of you. I don't know if it's prudent. I was just morbidly curious. Mm. And I spent some time playing with it. I even did a YouTube video, which was all about, all from, I literally said, ChatGPT, make me a YouTube video about this topic. Yeah. And it was fucking better than a YouTube video. Dude, any kid right now could become a content creator off of this open AI. Write me a script on X, and then the kid could just go on. Teleprompter off your iPad in front of you while the yeah. camera pointed at your face and you're, you're good. Have a little bit of sass and a little bit of video editing skills and you're good. Yeah. You don't even need a lot. No. Right. Um, but then Chat GPT 4 came out and then everybody else felt the pressure to put their variant of this out. And mm-hmm. then I saw Microsoft's AI. On Bing, right? 
not just Bing, but just they, so they've they've got their AI integrates with Excel, mm-hmm. with PowerPoint, with Everything. Word. Yes. And when you think about that in the context of that, this is the these are the core programs that most of America uses for business. And I understand people, some people are on the Google system, mm-hmm. but for most of America, that's the software they use. Right. Th- this is Microsoft. Yeah. And I use it all the time. I use it in Teams. I use Outlook. I use all that at work. Even though I'm yeah. a Mac guy, Cor- that, that's what corporate I mean, America is cor- working corporate on. Corporate America is based off of Microsoft. Right. Unless you're like a creative. Yes. And then I saw a demo. And I thought, wow, this is scary. The demo was simple. It was somebody saying, hey, uh, and they said the name of the AI. I don't remember the name of it was. Yeah. Um, make me, uh, take the data, the, the Excel template, give me the data in charts showing X, Y, and Z, and then export it to a PowerPoint presentation, uh, you know, go. And it took the data, did all the work of an analyst and exported it and pushed it to PowerPoint. Yeah. And then someone said, well, Chris, it's not going to be accurate all the time. It's going to have some errors. I'm sitting here thinking, so what? Mm-hmm. Instead of having, a, you know, four or five analysts, you have one analyst who reviews the data export in the PowerPoint and right. sees, sees if it makes sense or not. Right. But this is going to be wildly impactful I to s- jobs. I saw the I saw the CEO sit down and do an interview with somebody and what he was referencing is, you know, Google has really, you know, been the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room in this space for a long time. And all I want all we want to do is make them come out and dance. I was like, oh my God. And see here's the thing about Google that scares me the hell out of me is they took quantum computing, which was a I mean, we talked about this in the previous show, mm-hmm. that was essentially a quantum computer was uh, the size of a football field underground because they keep it you know, keep it cool in that environment. Right. Temperature controlled. And they imagine take quantum computing to the next level in the size of a refrigerator. Right. And now you layer in AI. Well, in quantum computing, for those, it's like being able to take the most complex problem of all time. I think it used to take hundreds. If you gave it, you can imagine. I don't even know what what type of question this would be, but give it the most complicated question of all time. It used to take them like hundreds of years to be able to solve it. Now it can do it in a matter of seconds. So we we've officially reached that threshold. Yeah. So the 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 best proxy for this is like your high end encryption mm-hmm. on your passwords. Yes, can be cracked in a matter of like hours as opposed to like years. That's so wild. I mean, it's it's a, it's an it's an impactful difference. Mm-hmm. Um, the survey from automation platform Kaizen found that nine in ten workers who made at least a hundred thousand a year reported using AI in their work life. This is from an April seventh, two thousand thirteen article from TechBrew titled "Most Higher Income Workers Report Interacting with AI in I Their Jobs." Two thousand thirteen. It was two thousand twenty-three. Uh, two thousand twenty-three. Sorry. Yeah. There was AI back then. We got a problem. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this this scares the shit out of me. And and so I'm thinking that people are already using this to make their lives easier. I've used As it they before. Should. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? And I don't, I, I don't want this to share just three of us, okay? <laughs> Nobody else, we can ever share the story. 18 listeners. I actually got a little bit of creative writer's block at one point in time. And I had to send a company-wide email. Mm. And I asked ChatGPT to write an email, give it the context for the email, and it wrote the email. And it was fucking good. Yeah. I took that email, which is three paragraphs. Yeah. And I edited it to sound like me and carved it out like I was editing somebody else. And this is not crazy uncommon. If you had like a comms department and they drafted an email for you and you edited it, yeah. your same content, thing. it's the same yeah. thing. But I thought to myself like, yo, this is this is wild. Oh, yeah. Oh, for for that, and here's the thing. There's so much that you that you that could be done with like a service like ChatGBT, right? Have you seen the AI created images where people are saying like put... Elon Musk body on this and that. Yeah, well, listen. Apparently, uh, Getty Images is suing some 
some company. Odin, can you look that up? Oh, he got, yeah, so he basically Arun pulled up the one, the viral AI-generated picture of the Pope looking like a fashion influencer had many of us fooled because he's wearing a white puffer jacket. I also saw Elon Musk face Dude, that, on this. Dude, that, that picture looks like it's in the best, highest resolution. Oh, so have you heard about, have you heard about uh, Adobe's version of AI? No. Adobe Photoshop. Photoshop mm -hmm. is essentially the tool for editing photos across the world. There, there is nobody, nobody's software who's, who's more used than Adobe's Photoshop. Makes sense. Okay. They have an AI coming out where you can literally ask it to edit photos for you. And it is fucking good. I've seen it. Really? I've seen like the demos for it. Mm. And I, I subscribe already to Adobe's Creative Cloud. That's how we get a lot of the stuff that we have. So mm -hmm. all of Adobe services, like even the video editing, all that stuff, right. it all comes from a monthly uh, subscription so that people, I pay for. People won't have, have a good enough reason for the shit to not be popping. Like yeah. the, all, all the services are out there. And it, it's, it, it's wild to me how much you can, you can generate now. Right. I mean, when you're, when you're asking Adobe to create images for you, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll be honest, like I, I've got a pretty good handle on Photoshop, but some of the images that I've seen are incredibly and, detailed. And this, and this goes to the point that we said earlier that it's going to take Congress way too long to act fast enough. So I remember the first time Elon went on Rogan's podcast. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about Neuralink, and he was talking about AI, and yeah. all the all the crazy components that come with that. But this that time is now, man. Yeah, and that was just a couple of years ago. And he said they were. He was asking him about like Rogan's mind was kind of being blown. He said, um, he's like, what are the dangers that come with this? And Elon told him, oh, it's already too late. Yeah, you're already you're already on this path. Yeah, there's you, there's no stopping it at this point. Yeah, it, it's gonna happen and. By the time it hits Congress's desk, it's already so spread out. Like, check this out. So apparently, Getty Images has sued an artificial intelligence company, Stability AI Inc., accusing it in a lawsuit made public of, of misusing more than 12 million Getty photos to train its stable diffusion AI image generation system. How is that misusing? What does that mean, though? So I'm, I'm sure it's proprietary. You can't just use Getty's images to train your AI. Well, if I have access like, to your, your images, do you have AI-specific rules saying that I can't use it for that? Yeah, see, that's the other problem, right? Like, no one ever thought about having, you know, these clauses in their, in their contracts to, like, limit the AI use. Maybe it's they're being rebroadcast in edited versions or they're used for, like, somebody's searches. I mean, that's the problem is these data sets are so heavy now. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where people get, it, get this wrong is, like, you can, you can try to claim ownership of a photo. Right. And you can try to have it watermarked, mm -hmm. but those days are gone just like Napster. Oh, they can just wipe it. Because you, you've even seen it now where like- You can remove watermarks. Th you can remove watermarks. I mean, even even Google has this phone. I mean, where if there's something in the background- You can remove it. You can just circle it yeah. and it just disappears. It matches the background. Yeah. What is this? What's Odin showing us? He's showing us Harry Potter by Balenciaga. Yeah, they did an AI for this. So all this is AI. Yeah, and it's all the Harry Potter face people, uh, faces- on Balenciaga, like clothes, talking to one another, and it looks creepy real. I mean, just think about it. This is now. Give it like another year. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's that's the problem. Is that in another year, how do you know what to believe? That's the problem. The deep fakes are gonna get crazy. The deep fakes are already crazy, man. Yeah, you have the Pope wearing like a puffer vest, and it looks it looks goddamn real. Yeah, that's where that's where I think that maybe you know um, these blue track marks. Are gonna really come in handy. So they you're are. Gonna, you're gonna need the. You're gonna need a trusted source. They are, but the implications are worse. You've heard about this uh, Korean influencer that's all AI, right? No. 
there's a female Korean influencer. Ruin, see if you can find um, find the name of a female Korean influencer. It basically companies have decided they like this better than a real person. And the reason why these virtual influencers are are so attractive to companies are number one, they're not going to be in public doing really fucked up things because mm-hmm. it's not a real person. Number two, they don't age. And number three, they can curate the images however they want. Yeah, but then you're going to be judged a lot more because now you're you're. I know in the past also you're casting people, right? Mm-hmm. But now you're specifically putting in like the image that you're looking for. So we're going to go back up to where you were just right right there. Um, Rosie is a South Korean virtual influencer, a digitally rendered human so realistic she's often mistaken for flesh and blood. Are you a real person? One of her Instagram fans asks. Are you? Are are you an AI or a robot? Mm. So scroll down a little bit more. According to Soul-based company that created her, Rosie is a blend of all three who straddles the real and virtual worlds. She is able to do everything that humans cannot in the most human-like form, Sidious Studio X says on its website. So Mm. now a company has literally created a person to look real, to sell products to real people. This is creepy, man. And look, this is Lucy, Lucy, the Korean virtual human used by uh, lot home shopping. That looks like a real fucking person, right? Man. I guess like if if a company is doing this, it should be no different than how you have to disclose if it's a paid advertisement. Then you should have to disclose whether AI has generated this. Well, how do you how do you know if it's a real person? Well, that's my point. Like you should you should be forced to. Yeah, but how do the companies know? That look. This is a picture right here. This is the one that Arun is pulling up. This is an Instagram account the company created for Rosie. Yeah. And it shows Rosie, this not real person in Singapore, holding a wine glass, posing for a normal Instagram photo. Dude, we've already talked about, we also talked about how in the past, how um, people have already created pages on OnlyFans making thousands and thousands of dollars a month off pure AI. AI porn. Yeah. Yeah. AI porn. So, I mean... Imagine this. We're going to get to the point, and I know this is going to... Bear with me. I know this is going to be a little graphic, but the point is here. Yeah. We're going to get to the point where right now, porn is... You're still watching other people do other things. Yeah. What if you could direct a virtual person to do anything you want on a screen in real time? Anytime you want, anywhere you want. And this, the reason why we're bringing this up is because we've mentioned before in the past too, is like porn has always been the leader... For, for these types of technology, things. yeah, yeah, technology. So, I mean, here, here's here's all I'm saying is I'm, I'm not trying to be graphic. I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to be explicit on like if someone could live in a world where they can choose and curate their complete fantasies, yes, or their life in a way they want, mm-hmm. there are going to be serious like human problems here. Yeah. Uh, what what's a great? I mean, movie? couple of that Ready Player One. Ready Player One, you see the new the new Blade Runner, the new one that came out with Ryan Gosling. He's no, so hot. I didn't see Ryan that. Gosling, he um he had like a virtual like wife, girlfriend that was a 3D image rendered right rolled around with him, mm-hmm. but they engaged and she had AI. Didn't Joaquin Phoenix have a movie like this too? Called her. Yeah. I didn't yeah. see it. I didn't see it, but another premise. Yeah. yeah. But uh yeah, we're at the we're at the point now where this is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, we're, we're we're about a year away from this, this be just being like the thing. Dude, couple this with the metaverse. Oh yeah. Oh, if you have over, AI dude. in the metaverse, that's what I'm talking about. There's no way unless somebody's got a blue check mark over the head for you to know you talk to a real person or an AI. Right. And then it's only going to take some hacker to be able to hack that to still be able. That's the other scary part, right? Is like, okay, all this AI is out there. Remember how back in the day people used to jailbreak phones? Mm-hmm. 
you're gonna just be able to jailbreak a you know whatever ChatGPT website. Yeah. And now just, I mean, who knows what what to believe? Well, and then there there lies another big problem. Let's say you're an analyst for a bank or an underwriter for a bank. Yeah. How how do you know you can't be replaced through through AI? Yeah, that that used to be that used to be the thing, right? Where you'd be like, okay, I have to analyze too many statistics, too many numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, look at entire SRO properties. Like we we just we just talked about how the levels that we've reached now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get you got to the point now where you can scan stuff in with AI, mm-hmm. and they can take these images that are fuzzy, clear them up, pull the data off them. Now they can convert that and do the analytics in a much more complex way much fa- imagine if you could underwrite an entire multifamily property instead of spending a couple hours on it you could do it in five minutes that's so crazy scan the documents boom here's your numbers yeah and they're fucking dead ass reliable yeah hey, well, watch this is gonna this is gonna just how like gaming entered the college system mm-hmm. i bet this is gonna be an entire you know major where you're gonna I, have I to think... learn you're gonna have to learn how to use ai no 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 i think you're wrong there I think we're at the inflection point where AI starts writing itself. Mm. Where why would you wait for a human to learn to teach you anything? We're getting to the point now where AI is going to start creating AI on its own at a faster cadence than we could ever. No, but you, like 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 we said earlier, how why would you need you know five analysts when you need one to just be able to operate and look over right. everything? Well, if you had a big enough infrastructure, why would you need anybody? I, I'm the chief operating officer of a bank. You still need people. You still need people to look over, right? Okay, Cross check. Well, the chief operating. Why why would you let me make a decision? Why wouldn't you let AI make decisions? That's the scary part. Right? It, what what's my job at that point? Is my job to shake hands, kiss babies? Well, yeah, you don't know like exactly what's influencing you. How would you be able to even check and see like how what's the motive? I, I don't know that you can. That's the scary part, right? But what's the motive of like, most people instance, that you work with? That you think about it. I remember um you sent me an interview from one of your like Yale classmates back in the day that was talking about this. Mm. I remember I don't remember oh, his name. Oh, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Yeah, yeah. I watched an interview that he that he did and he was talking about this in AI. And at some point all the cars on the road are gonna be communicating with one another mm-hmm. and you know, the rate of accidents and people dying will drop like like ninety some percent, if not more. Yep. Right? And it's like how do you argue against that? How could how who would vote against that, right? But here's the question. If the car has to make a decision on if I turn right, I killed this person. If I turn left, I killed this person. Yeah. How does it decide in that scenario? And then when it, they pose the question to uh, your classmate, like, I mean, does somebody write the script? Does somebody write the code to be able to decide, right? And what what would be the ethical thing to do? And the only logical answer for that scenario was you just got to let the AI decide. Yeah, that's it. That sounds a little more dark than it really is, though. In in reality and in practice, humans are just as, as complicated and, and unknown. No, but how I think, many humans and, you engage with on a daily basis that you don't really know their true intentions? Mm. Happens all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't know their logic, how good or flawed it may be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a room pulled up iRobot. We can't reference Will Smith. You know that. He's yeah banned from the show. Banned from the show. Twice unless he, in one show. Unless, He'll never unless come unless on the show wants, unless he wants to come on the show. In which case, he can come on the show. <laughs> you wouldn't say no to Will Smith. I wouldn't. I definitely would not say no to Will Smith. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm the, the biggest Fresh Prince fan. Me too. I feel like he's not that guy anymore. No, he's definitely not that guy anymore. But that story was amazing. It really was. You know that first that first season, mm. he memorized everyone's line on the show. Really? Why? Because he needed he needed it to do well. 
Um, so apparently he remembered if you go to the early early episodes, you could see him in the back like lipping other people's lines. Mm. You know uh, how the show ended? Yeah. How did it end? What do you mean? What was the last scene of the last episode? Last scene of the last episode when he's standing in the house by himself? Yeah, looking yeah. around and there's no furniture in the place. What shoes was he wearing? Uh, Jordan 5s? 11s, all white Columbia's. Really? Yeah. 11s? Yeah. Damn. Mm. Speaking of which, we're going to have some fresh kicks for the show. We are. I'm thinking of the first show. Should we wear those for the first, I got, the first recorded I, I, episode? I have something funny to wear on the first show, too. What's that? I got to tell you, it's a surprise. Is it clothes? Because when you do these, these things nude, it's very weird for me. <laughs> You're not used to the clothes? I'm not used to clothes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Arun just fact-checked you. Yep. Yeah, 11s, Columbia's. Oh, those look those like, yeah, yeah, those are Columbia's. Okay. Yeah, no, I had those. Okay. Oh, wow. I did. Back in the day, that was, that was like my only pair of 11s when I was in high school. The all whites, huh? All whites, yeah. Cocaines? Somebody spilled coffee on them once. Uh, yeah, it's not coming out. Yeah, we'll share, I'll, we'll share that story for another, save that story for another day. All right, well, it's been an exciting week gone. Excited to come back for the show today. It was I mean, fun, man. I, I missed, missed it. you too. It's been a week. Yeah, it's been a week. Let's save some uh, gummy berry juice for the next episode, huh? Let's do it. All right. Well, you know how to say it. Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.